0: So a question for you to start off today. Do you know any missionaries? Uh, I I know a few. I I remember when I I first met a missionary, I was a little kid, he came to my church. He talked about uh, being a missionary in Africa. And I remember out in the narthex, in our small church in Minnesota, he had all his kind of uh, mementos from his time in Africa laid out. He had like uh, African carvings and, and one of the things I remember most distinctly was he had a snake skin. Uh, it was uh, frightening and, and yet awesome at the same time. And as a kid, I'm like, that is so cool. That's an African snake. And, and I just had this idea. And he talked about sharing Jesus with people. And, and I, I thought, man, if only we could get a guy like that to come to our small town and go door to door and talk to people about Jesus, then they would know about Jesus too because he's a missionary. And that's what missionaries do after all. Um, I, I do remember, too, as, uh, you know, I, I kind of grew up and, and met a lot of people along the way and, and became a pastor and met missionaries. Um, in fact, if anybody ever been in my office, raise your hand if you've been there. i um, show a picture of what's on the wall in my office, um, one of my favorite walls in my office, kind of filled with a lot of storied artifacts, you might say, and and including the golf club I got when I first arrived here. It was in the St. John auction. I mean the the St. John um, rummage sale, I think. I got that for five bucks, Um, but some of the other stuff, like you can kind of make it out. There's a small little cross in the middle just up uh, to the right of the clock there. It's um, a cross that's just bent, rough wire, and I remember being given that as a gift from a missionary that came to my first congregation to speak to us. Um, he was a Bible smuggler uh, who would make regular trips into China with Bibles. And he tells stories of sharing God's Word and, and uh, kind of, it was interesting just hearing about that. And he, he was reminding us, you know, that the cross of Jesus isn't some fancy thing, that Jesus really got down and dirty in the brokenness of humanity and that was just rough put together a cross as a reminder of that. Um, I think about um, that cross that's in the middle. looks kind of like a star. Um, that's more of a basket-woven kind of cross. That's called a briquette cross. And uh, that wasn't given to me by a missionary, but I bought it because it, it's a, a missionary story behind it. Uh, Brigette was, uh, if I remember right, either Scottish or Irish, one of the two, and she shared Jesus with her father on his deathbed, uh, and it was kind of a, a dirt floor and the, a thatched roof, and there were extra little reeds on the floor, and she started weaving them into the shape of a cross to share Jesus with her dad before he passed away. I just love that, just a reminder of a a missionary's cross. Um, There's a a plaque there under, uh, just kind of toward the bottom there. It has a little red spot on it. That that actually has uh, written in Chinese characters. It says, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That was a gift from a friend of mine, Brian, who was in my uh, second congregation I served. Brian, we had uh, commissioned him from our congregation to go and serve in... uh, in China, for two years as a missionary, he was teaching English in a college, and yet uh, it was all about building relationships with young people to share Christ with them, which uh, he had amazing stories of how God was working in that culture where it's illegal uh, to be outward and sharing your faith. And he brought that back as a, a gift to me, uh, one of my favorite pieces there. And um, there's others, you know, that, that instrument there in the center, or just uh, left there, um, that was from a friend of mine, Curtis, who was a good friend in, in college, and he worked for our synod for a while and, and went over with, uh, with uh, LCMS World Missions. And uh, I think he bought that for me on the Ivory Coast of Africa. I brought that back, and I've always loved that. It's a great piece from a missionary friend. But, but then on the left side, um, my favorite part is in, ninth, I think it was 2003, when the tsunami hit, and I've talked about this in different times because it really changed me when I went over to Sri Lanka, after the tsunami, 190,000 people were killed in that tsunami. And we just had another tsunami in Indonesia. And just the pictures and the stories, it, it, it grips you. And, and yet it's so far away and we can easily remove ourselves. But this is real. And, and the pain and the suffering. And, and I remember going there, in the next picture, I think a little closer up of that, uh, we went with a, an eyeglass clinic with most ministries out of Ann Arbor. And, Myself, along with multiple people from around the country, got together in that just amazing mission organization. And, and to see the people in that center picture lined up to receive a pair of eyeglasses, and many of them had lost family members or their entire family in the tsunami, and just the brokenness and, and without hope, um, most of them who didn't know Jesus, and waiting in line for eyeglasses that would amount to like three or four months' salary in that culture to buy glasses. So nobody had them. And, and uh, the lineup would start at 4 in the morning, and we wouldn't open the clinics till 9 a.m. Uh, just to realize, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people waiting in line for this. And um, that train up above, that was an example of some of the devastation of the tsunami. They, they reset those cars on a track as a memorial. A thousand people died on that train. It was a commuter train when the tsunami hit, and, and they were washed three miles inland on this, on this train. I mean, just picture that, how brutal and um, Thousand people died in the train alone. And just the, the overwhelming sense of despair. And yet to be there and share Jesus was such an honor and a privilege. And, and that man on the bottom there, I think I got a close up of him. I, I've talked about him from time to time. This was one of the most amazing experiences being over there uh, to serve as a missionary, as it were, as a mission, on a mission trip. And um, we met this man, Ernie. Ernie came to the clinic, he waited in line for eight hours. Our first first stop in Sri Lanka, eight hours and all the way through to the eye clinic and we tested his vision and uh, discovered he had 20-20 vision. Um, think about that. Waited in line eight hours and he has perfect vision. But I learned a little bit about him. He was more about just spending time with people. He loved having the conversations and, and we, we got to know each other a little bit while he was waiting in line. That was my job, was to talk to people. Loved it. Just meeting people, introducing myself, hearing their stories for those that could speak English. And Ernie was one that spoke pretty, pretty fluent English. Um, he told us he worked in a local hotel uh, as a guitar player. And, and it just so happened that afternoon, we were, we, we, he invited us over to see where he lived. And he lived in a closet off a lobby of a hotel that didn't pretty much been wiped out and washed out by the the tsunami he had moved back in and mold growing on the walls and and just living on a mattress and I said how do you cope and he, he just kept making this gesture and and when he'd smile he had that missing tooth kind of right in the middle and he just smiled. And, like, and his point was he drank to get by that's how his coping uh, played out in, in his life and you know to hear his story meanwhile um my roommate on the trip, his name was Bill, he was from a congregation, if I remember right, in southern Michigan, and I don't remember exactly where Bill's from, um, but Bill had told me, uh, he said, I admire your pastor, you know, the ability to tell people about Jesus, he says, you know, I could never do that, I would mess it up, I'd ruin their salvation if I said the wrong thing, he says, I, tell me to make something, build something, fix something, I'd I do that, he says, that's what I love about a trip like this, I can just serve and use my hands and use my time and... And, and I challenged him, I said, Bill, you, you know, I believe God uses all believers uh, to open our mouths and speak of Jesus. So that We're equipped for that when the time comes. He's like, there's no way. He said, I, I can't say the right thing in the right time, and there's no way God could use me like this, or like that. And uh, you've maybe heard me share this before, because it was a conversation I will never forget. Because you fast forward to our last night in that location where we met Ernie, and, and here we are, it's maybe midnight, and we took one last walk down to the beach. The moon is out. I remember as the Indian Ocean surf would go out, there were crabs running everywhere, and just the, the glistening in the, the moonlight. It was just kind of a beautiful, beautiful moment. And, and this guy jumps out of the darkness and goes, ah! And we go, ah! And, and we're thinking, we're going to get mugged. And, and then we realize we can see this white smile, dark skin, but a missing spot of white in the middle. It's Ernie. And he's like, hi, just just surprising. And and we realized this may be our last interaction with this guy. And and that's where we got bold. And and we said, Ernie, we didn't come here to just give out glasses. We came here to share Jesus, a Savior who's come. And, And as I'm speaking those words, I get interrupted. You know who interrupted me? Bill. Bill started talking, and for the next 10 to 15 minutes, shared his story of how Jesus had met him in his brokenness, and his pain. And, and Bill said, I've come from all, from the other side of the world, Ernie, and I believe to tell you my story, I too once struggled with alcohol. And, and it was my coping escape from life and, until one day I woke up in a jail cell and realized that my life was broken, and I needed a Savior, a God who loved me. And and that's where Bill started to open up about a Savior who died for him, rose again, gave him forgiveness and grace, and gave him purpose and calling in this world. And and he shares this, and Ernie starts crying all along through his story. And and finally, Bill ends, and Ernie's broken, and and, and I'm realizing there's this awkward pause, and I I say what all pastors say in that moment, let us pray. (laughs) And as soon as I said, let's pray, Ernie dropped to his knees, And started to hold on to our our feet or in our ankles as we prayed. And he wept and we could feel his tears on our feet. And we prayed for his salvation. We prayed for God to move in his life. We prayed for healing. We prayed for forgiveness. We prayed for provision. All the other things we were moved to pray in that moment. And we finished up and you know what he did? (laughs) He started kissing our dirty feet. Who does that? And yet I was reminded of when Jesus says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And we walk away from there realizing, as I look at Bill and I say, yeah, Jesus will never use you, that's for sure. I'm joking. He's like, he was just shaking. He's like, what did I say? I said, God used you. And it's one of those moments where I was reminded once again, I know a lot of missionaries. And so do you. Because you're one, I'm one, Pastor Steve's one, but not because we're pastors or we're missionaries. We're pastors because we're baptized children of God. By way of our calling in Christ, we are missionaries in this broken, messed up, hurting world. Turn to the person next to you and remind them of that right now. Say to them, you are a missionary. And, And if you don't believe me, believe God's word on this. You know we we read this in our scripture today, and 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 you think about what the gospel lesson said. This this ver, you know this chapter we often read at Christmas time. It's it's that great John one one. The Word became flesh, made his dwelling with us. Let me read that again. John one14 fourteen. I'm sorry one not one fourteen. And the Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Um, Maybe a better translation of this, though that's a beautiful one for us to comprehend. You know, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. God comes to dwell among his people. That's the the beauty of of the Christmas message is God has come near to us. He's born into this broken world. We use a fancy word called the incarnation. God has come near to his people. But that verse literally says, if we pull it apart from its original language, is that God, the word became flesh and tabernacled is the word actually. He came to tabernacle among his people. And that's a word that just should rightly kind of be weighted to say, wait, what's that word mean? We don't use it very often. And that's where Old Testament theology and the history of God's work among his people starts to make sense, especially as we talk about what does it mean today to be the church? God answers that question in these kinds of ways. Here's an example of this. The word tabernacle is what God used to be a place where he told his people his spirit, his presence would dwell with them. Um, as God's people wandered through the, the wilderness at the direction of Moses and, and Joshua, there they are wandering, and, and God says, I want you to build a, a tabernacle. And, and they created this beautiful tent. It was portable, it could be moved as they lifted up camp and they moved somewhere else. That this was a, a place of worship where God's, God caused his presence to dwell. And, and we're reminded that that presence was pretty glorious. He had a a cloud, a a pillar of cloud by day, and at night it was this pillar of fire. And I I just always imagine that, that, you know, as an Israelite, if you were wondering if God was with you, uh, you could just go and look out your tent and look over toward the tent of meeting in the the tabernacle, and, and you'd see this reminder that God is with his people. God is with him, or with you. And and what a beautiful thing that was. is the tabernacle of God's presence in a building, as it were. A tent. And a, as it passes into Solomon building a temple where God would cause his presence to dwell there. God's people would worship there and meet there and find forgiveness of their sins through the sacrificial system. And, and all this is playing out. And, and then you fast forward and, and John says that, that the word became flesh. God's word put on skin. And and not just this cloud or fire, rather, he, he comes as a person to tabernacle among his people, dwell among his people. It, it ties in with what we said a few weeks ago when uh, Jesus says to those who are challenging him, you know, uh, destroy this temple and, and I'll rebuild it in three days. Jesus was referring to his, his body. He is... God's presence tabernacling among his people. You destroy this body. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. I've come to die for you. I've come to rise again. The the body of my presence is with you. With flesh and blood and skin. And and to speak language that could be understood. A hug that could be felt. A presence that only God could bring. Jesus comes to bring that. Now as we're reminded of that. God who dwells with his people, he also tells us that that dwelling continues. Remember what he says just before he ascends into heaven in Matthew 28. Jesus gathers his disciples. He, he rose from the dead. He would gathered them. He'd been appearing to them over 40 days. And then he announces them to them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and he says that because, he says, because after all, I'm not going to be with you anymore. you got to do this stuff. Is that what he says? No. He says, for I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is important. Because as we talk about being the church, and as we talk about being missionaries for Jesus, it would be easy for us to say, uh, we got to do this for Jesus, that Jesus is telling us to do this for him, and, and it sounds right. We we go out and serve for Jesus and we do this for Jesus and, and, and we talk to people for Jesus. Actually that's theologically incorrect. Because God reminds us we do it with Jesus. As his presence is caused to dwell in our life by calling in our and our baptism as his people. And the indwelling of that spirit, as even Paul would say it later, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are a walking church. Did you ever think of that? Where God's presence is there. But even beyond that, Jesus says, I am with you. Look at the first reading we read today. Acts chapter 1. Luke writes this, and and we know it's Luke. For several reasons. One of them is in my former book, Theophilus, and Luke's gospel starts off as a letter to Theophilus too. He says, I wrote, all about, or wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen and after his suffering he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, um, I love what Luke reminds us of here. He, he says, I, in my first book, I wrote about all that Jesus finished doing, right? Because after all, the first book talks about the ministry of Jesus on earth um, and his story. Now it, it's, it's up to us to figure it out. Does he say that? No, he doesn't. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do, all that he began to do and to teach up until the time he was taken up to heaven where I'm going with this is if the ministry of Jesus and the presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the mission of Jesus ended with his ascension, Luke would have said, I told you all that Jesus finished in this time on earth. No, he says, I've told you all that Jesus began. And what we find in the book of Acts is all that Jesus continues to do in the life of his people by way of their calling, by the Spirit of God in the presence of Jesus that is with them. And as he says, you will receive power from on high and you will be my witnesses in all of Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Man, This is a missionary calling. It's not to a holy huddle of a few little people or big people or important people. No, it's it's to all of us. It's the church. And we see that play out The book of Acts, and we've seen it play out ever since. As God opens the hands, the hearts, the minds, the eyes, and the mouths of his people to share Jesus, but not for Jesus, with Jesus. Realizing every day is a missionary trip. Even if we're taking out the garbage, on garbage day. I, I was talking to Pastor John about this this week and he was given an example and I think he'd shared this at our men's breakfast some weeks back that you know, one of the prayers he has had in his neighborhood where, in the cul-de-sac where he lives is is to reach his neighbors and um, He didn't know his neighbors when they first moved there, and so he's like, well, we kept going and leaving for church meetings, and and he'd wave to the neighbors, and, and he kept, he was busy all the time, he'd wave to the neighbors when he was coming home tired and leaving for the next ministry event back at the campus on church, and he'd wave to his neighbors. And one day he realized he was spending so much time at church talking about how to reach people in the community, yet spending no time reaching his own neighbor's. And so one day, as he saw his neighbor taking his trash out, he's like, Hey, I'm gonna take my trash out. So he got out there and introduced himself and started, Hey, I'm the guy who keeps waving and talking. And pretty soon, they one day his neighbor was out there fertilizing his grass. We so went out there and said, Hey, what kind of fertilizer do you use? And you look at my yard, I need help. And he's like, Yeah, you gotta use this. And then a few weeks later, he says, Hey, I'm gonna go buy fertilizer. It's kind of that time of year, maybe we can go together. They drove together and they got to know each other a little better and got together in their backyard for a grill out one day. And over time, it opened the door to a conversation about Christ, about Jesus, by building relationships, being missionaries. Not a pastor, but as a missionary, because we all are. I'll show you a picture from yesterday. This one, one of the groups that went down into Detroit, into the, a neighborhood. And uh, this is the middle school, high school group, part of that group that that met down there, and and they um, did some cleanup around some abandoned homes, and uh, some of the neighbors came out, too, to help and and just to build some relationships there, Um, but one of my favorite, favorite moments happened as as their time there was this. Um, There were some Detroit police officers on site, um, just keeping watch over our young people, and before they left, they asked the officers if they could pray for them. And this is a picture of our young people putting their hands on these two big, big police officers and saying, you matter. You are loved. You are not forgotten. And they prayed for them in Jesus' name, in their families. That's being a missionary, wherever you are. What kind of door is God going to open for you this week as a missionary? And how is God going to use Your time, your talents, your voice to encourage, to love. Maybe at your workplace, maybe it is when you take your trash out. Maybe it's going to be in the most unlikely place at the most unlikely time and yet God is going to prompt you to say, tell them about me because you're not going to do it alone because Jesus is with you. You're not going to do it for Jesus. You're going to do it with Jesus because it's what Jesus does. A God who desires all people to be saved. A God who has compassion and grace and mercy in this broken, fallen, hopeless world. And we are his church. And the church has left the building. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for reaching to where we are. For being one who comes and causes your spirit, your presence to dwell in this broken world. To be our savior who had laid down his life. You are a dwelling kind of God, and we thank you for that. And the amazing thing is, is you, you call us to dwell as well. <laughs> to dwell in our, our homes, to dwell in our neighborhoods, to dwell in our workplaces, to dwell wherever your spirit leads us. And in that dwelling, to share our relationship with you. And it really is as simple as just pointing to the one who is with us. Lord, thank you for that calling Now lead us with boldness as your church. Help us to get out of your way and speak in and through us as your word says it. May we be given what to say, and it wouldn't be us speaking, but the power of your spirit speaking through us. We pray this as your missionaries in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.